0: There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses.
1: It's the art and science of money.
0: My job has been to try and figure out which is which.
1: It's Hi-Fi Radio, from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto, with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle.
2: Well, good evening, my friends. Thank you for spending some time with us. I've been looking forward to this hour all week long. Indeed, it's a show about money. Uh, So much going on. really uh, to sum it all up assets are going up in price uh, all assets are rising for the most part uh, real estate included uh drew donaldson uh, gonna spend some time with us this evening uh he is the owner the proprietor of uh donaldson capital and he's a mortgage broker uh, i personally used his services uh when purchasing my present home to help shop the market for me did a great job and uh, Came in with a very, very competitive price. It was certainly better than my existing bank. Oh, that's for sure. They didn't want to play ball. Uh, but uh, Drew knows how to play ball. Uh, Drew, thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, what have you noticed recently uh, that's important to us uh, in the uh, mortgage market?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of, uh, ton, ton of talk about just rates increasing uh, and inflation out there. So I'd say that's, Pretty much every phone call we have with a client, that's their main huh. concern is how is the inflation numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but rates are still historically low. So, as much as the five-year fix has gone up a little bit, you know these variable rates are just uh, it's still at rock bottom levels, and uh, you know it's there. There will be some rises as we go, but it could be slow and steady, not exactly the uh, fear-based you know five rate hikes right away.
2: You know, it's, it's remarkable. Um, a friend of mine uh, just assisted uh, both of his children, who are in their mid-20s, to purchase their first homes, uh, condominiums and townhomes. And purchase price was just under a million dollars. Uh, he gifted uh, with some paperwork signed to protect his assets as best he could in case there's a uh, relationship breakdown. Uh, but he, he basically gifted each of his children just under a quarter million dollars. Uh, which means those 20-somethings are going to be uh, carrying a six, seven $700,000 mortgage plus uh, taxes and insurance and maintenance and uh, cans of paint. Um, th- that's a big nut, uh, I have to say, for 20-something to strap on. Uh, you know, let's talk about that number, Drew. Uh, $700,000, uh, what does that carry for uh, at a five-year fixed rate? What's the obligation? It's just amazing how quickly uh, technology allows us to compute, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen,
0: live, right in front of you. Wolf, uh, I, I, I'm going to throw a kiss do, out there. I'm going to say it's $3,500. bucks. i am going to say it's, 3, say it's probably, just under 4000 4, bucks. And I'm going to say, I'm, say a, I'm probably high. I think I'm high. I think I'm high because a lot of that, as you know, Wolf, in this low interest rate environment, um, I'm going to say, well, north of 50% of it for sure uh, is going towards principal, probably north of 70% even. So it's, so it's around
3: 2400 on the variable.
2: Uh, $2,400 a month on a variable to carry, uh, how much did we say? Did you run $700? Uh, $700,000,
3: 700,
2: yeah. $700,000. Because hold on, $700,000 carries for $2,400 a month. That's an interesting number. Uh, rents in Toronto are about that. Uh, so uh, you, you can sort of see how the math actually lines up that is a variable rate mortgage that's at historically low interest rates uh what is the current variable what what are you able to uh, secure that deal at right now drew
3: yeah anywhere from 1.25 to 1.35 <sighs> is the variable uh 2 weeks ago i was i i got a client 1.1% variable on a 3.5 million dollar mortgage so there there is some wiggle room there
2: Unbelievable, isn't it, Jack? Jack do, do those numbers not just astound you. And again, GIC rates, Jack, you were just finding us some one-year fixed GIC rates at one point six five percent. Inflation, yeah. we all know, is running four percent plus. Um, losing proposition on the uh, lending side, on the borrowing side, boy oh boy, is that ever attractive money? One and a quarter percent, one point one percent. It it truly is Uh, Drew, sorry, Drew, I want to ask you one of the questions. I'll I'll give you the mic there, Jack, in one second. Um, Drew, can you tell us, uh, and maybe while you run the numbers, we'll we'll bounce over to Jack, but um, the very first mortgage payment then made uh, on a $700,000 mortgage or $2,400, how much of that $2,400 is going to principal? In other words, I call that forced savings. Drew, can you tell us that?
3: Yeah, about, I just ran the numbers, actually. It's about 1400 toward principal and about 1000 toward interest. So, so majority that, principal. So, friends,
2: again, 20-somethings out there or parents out there who want to help your children, um, that big, fat mortgage of $700,000 uh, through Drew can carry for $2,400 a month. And the very first monthly mortgage payment, 1400 of the $2,400 is going to principal. So, you could argue, in fact, that your rent is now only costing you $1,000 a month, your pure rent, which is uh, your carrying cost of
0: interest. Uh, Correct, gentlemen? Yeah, that that was exactly the point that I was going to make is that, you know, you're buying a high quality asset. um, You know, you're having forced savings of $1,400 a month, which is substantial, I believe, especially when you compound it over time. And if you're buying in the the Toronto real estate market, um, you can say prices are elevated. But they're elevated for a reason. They're elevated because people want to be in this area. Um, they want to obviously want to be in the nine hundred five as well. But uh, you're buying a high quality asset. Uh, you're getting rock bottom financing. You're not going out and you know putting stuff on a credit card at twenty percent. So you're using good leverage as far as I'm concerned and buying a high quality asset, which does over time compound wealth.
2: It, it has historically. The issue, of course, uh, you speak about high quality asset. Jack, if you go looking for real estate uh, with a million dollars, you, you, you'd question, I think, your comment about high quality asset in Toronto. Every one of our developing clients, because we have a number of developers as clients, they tell us there is a supply constraint issue. Demand is going up and supply isn't keeping pace with it, which is pushing uh, asset or this asset class uh, higher nonetheless. Uh, Drew, tell us um, what what I've noticed in the real estate market is, a li- once again, a limited supply of properties on the market. Uh, from your lens, uh, what are you seeing from a demand perspective? In other words, how's business uh, similar to last year, stronger than last year? Uh, is there an urgency for people to get into the market? What's, what's the mood?
3: Yeah, I mean, ever since the pandemic, when rates dropped, I mean, it, you know, business has been has been booming. So that's been great. But a lot of people are also making life choices, whether it's moving houses, bigger, renovating, needing a, you know, a pool put in the backyard, maybe even moving out of the city for a couple of years, we've seen some move back into the city. So have you I guess that what the pandemic has brought is just people, you know, moving and uh, making life big life decisions.
2: Yeah, so you had to notice that people already come back to the city.
3: I have. We've seen some people that moved to Collingwood and even picked in And uh, they, I, guess, I don't know if they got bored, but they decided they want to move back to the city or at least have a footprint in the city. Um, maybe they went all out. I had one client that you know sold a big house, kind of a Tobacco area, went all out in, in Collingwood and then realized he needed a condo in the city. Like he still, wanted, he still wanted to have the footprint, be able to come in, do some business as things opened up.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, making these life-changing decisions at a time where you have exogenous, what's the word? Uh, Exogenous Exogenous events, yeah.
0: Exogenous Exogenous events. events.
2: Yeah, Yeah, uh, drive those decisions to put you into an awkward position when things normalize. And uh, my brother-in-law, as a matter of fact, uh, did just move out of the city. He moved to Cold Lake, Alberta. As the name implies, Cold Lake, Alberta. I, I watch the weather report uh, or the uh, my weather app uh, every now and then to see what the temperatures in Cold Lake like. Minus twenty five is the high for today. It Feels like minus thirty five. "Good golly!" Miss did he join, Force, uh, did, did not, he join the Air
0: Force, Wolf? Uh, did not. Did, oh, did not join the Air Force. But, no, no, no. But Cold I was going to say, you Alberta. make a good you make a good point there, Wolf uh, and Drew as well. The fact that you know people are making decisions based on I'm going to say a bit of an abnormal market because of COVID. Uh, not just the real estate market, and you're seeing it in the stock market as well. Some people are, you know, putting some stocks in there, a lot of equity and a lot of, I'm going to say, uh, transfer payments that they receive from the government into uh, stay-at-home stocks. They bid them up exceptionally high. Those meme stocks um, exploded in, in earlier in the year, and they've come back to a normalized level. And I think that's what you're going to see next year in 2022. I would not be surprised to see, you know, companies that have earnings growth, those higher quality companies. You know, if if you don't get multiple expansions, people aren't going to pay more for a dollar of earnings Then you actually need to have fundamental earnings growth. Still, the high tech companies the, the good ones are going to do exceptionally well over time. But I think you will see a more normalized economy or normalized market as the economy returns to normal.
2: Well, let's take it back to Drew. Um, the real estate market, the mortgage market, uh, it, it does not seem terribly normal, obviously, right here, right now. Do, do, you, do you agree with Jack? Do Do you see more of a? Stable market next year? Or what's your What's your prediction for twenty twenty two with with both mortgage rates, uh, demand, and, and and the real estate market, Drew?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I said this last time I was on the show, but you know, the suburbs are acting completely irrationally. Um, I'm I'm a little fearful that as things you know open up, get back to normal, you might see. I'm not predicting a crash, but you might see prices level off for five, ten years, something we haven't seen in a long time. Toronto, to me, is just you know, it's a global city. If I were going to put my money anywhere, if you've got a, a five, 10-year outlook, even at today's values, I still think they're good buys. I think you buy a piece of land in Toronto, you sit there for 10, 15 years, and you're going to wake up a very happy, happy camper.
2: Yeah, no, I would agree. If, if you can, and That is, I think, the, the, the smarter way to um, build wealth across multiple asset classes uh it it was ironic uh i was speaking with javid uh at our christmas party jack and we spoke about this last week and uh he was betting against the uh, the chinese market but he had a three-day time horizon four-day time, he thought in a very, very short term it was going to continue to fall. Uh, he put a short trade on, uh, and I just uh, spoke with him. It was just a personal trade, and just having some fun with him. Uh, but he covered, he covered it short. He made some money. Uh, I don't know how much money he made, but he made a little bit of money. Uh, but I, again, I think the China trade, uh, three years out, five years out, you're going to be very re- well rewarded. Um, I do think that when you buy businesses, be it a Microsoft or a uh, Facebook, Google, if you think three to five years time horizon, you're going to be fine. Real estate at these levels, i half have to agree, you probably wanna stretch your time horizon a little further. I don't think you're gonna make money in a six month flip. Those days are long gone. But for investors, uh, a 10 year time horizon plus with a piece of real estate in Toronto, I think you'll be okay. And again, the math is such, once again, that if you make a mortgage payment of $2,400 a, a month, 1,400 of that is going to principal reduction. It's forced savings. You're building wealth with your very first mortgage payment. So it is a cornerstone uh, component of, I think, a good solid wealth plan. We're going to take a quick break and get back with Drew Donaldson, Donaldson Capital. He's a mortgage broker. We're talking about mortgage rates and the housing market. Stay tuned.
1: Money. Let's take a break. But after Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. my
2: friends. Yes, lots of movement going on. Thanks to COVID. Thanks to demographics. Thanks to this great city of ours becoming an international city of desire. And uh, well, with that comes pain, uh, certainly for children looking to buy real estate uh, and our young adults trying to enter the market. It, it certainly is challenging, but please have faith. Uh, there is a solution. Uh has got to think through it. And uh, keep listening to Jack and I, and we'll help navigate the market for you. The good news is money is cheap. Uh, U.S. Central Bank uh, out with a policy decision this week. No real change to interest rates. They're going to work the bond market that will take some supply of of liquidity out of the market. But interest rates, for now, uh, remain very, very accommodative. And uh, the forecast is they'll remain accommodative for some time. Uh, Although, don't be surprised to see rates back up a little bit next year, uh, which will certainly affect uh, the variable rate mortgages. Uh, Wouldn't you agree, Drew?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, variable is going to rise slowly over time. The Bank of Canada was pretty clear about that on their last update. Uh, Anywhere between April and September, we're forecasting a 0.25% increase to prime, and then maybe even another 0.25% before the end of the year. And that's from listening to the Bank of Canada. Some of the other you know, outlets out there are predicting even faster than that. But everything I've read, heard, and I literally, when Tiff uh, Macklem speaks, I, I listen to it like four or five times just to make sure we're getting it directly from his mouth. And those are my predictions. We can, we can wake up 12 months from now and we'll, we'll see if I'm right. But I, I'm thinking 50 basis point higher prime between now and December 2022.
2: Drew, uh, I do have to ask you, again, I, I continue to think about first-time buyers. I continue to think about uh, baby boomers' children and uh, Generation X's children now, believe it or not, um, entering the real estate market. What percentage of your clients are uh, millennials or those under, say, 35 years of age?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, it's, uh, most of our clients, I'd say about 70%, are between the ages of 35 and 50 um that's that's the majority we do have some first time home buyers but we kind of gear ourselves toward the high net worth individuals ironically i find you know some of the 32 year olds 34 year olds uh that we're working with you know they're willing to take out you know they're they're high income earners but they're also willing to take out very large mortgages i had a 30 30- year old i had a 36 year old uh last week i had another 37 year old 2 weeks ago we're talking six million dollar purchases. They put thirty five percent down, and willing to do a three or four million dollar reno in in Toronto. And uh, you know these are these are big mortgages. Obviously, you know it's good for our business, but I'm I'm big on educating the client about you know risk mitigation. Um, but they're they're willing to take out the big mortgages at today's interest rates, and uh, they believe their income is going to rise, their investments are going to go up, and they're they just seem fearless
2: what kind of income does one require to be able to support a what did you say a 6 million dollar mortgage uh, 6 million dollar purchase so about a 4 million dollar mortgage a 4 million dollar mortgage yeah so what kind of a income do you need to support that uh, and in terms of the uh, the reno you mentioned a 6 million dollar reno where is that money where would that money come from
3: yeah, so a lot of the, lot of the, the times they don't actually qualify. They, they're, they're typically business owners who have you know, good revenue but not a lot on their, their personal taxes. So what we do is we qualify them under what's called a high net worth program where as long as you have, let's say, 750000 or maybe a million bucks in stocks and bonds, they'll kind of look past the ratios to get the person qualified. Wow, that's incredible. Well, again,
2: basic math on a $4 million mortgage based on the $700,000 example, that looks about five times as big. So you're looking at around thirteen, fourteen thousand $14,000 a month, I guess, to carry a $4 million mortgage, which means income of about $200,000 just to uh, pay the mortgage gross, give or take. It's, it's, it's incredible math. It's just unbelievable. The numbers keep adding zeros, like trillions, We're all becoming immune to the number trillion, anything trillion, another trillion here, another trillion there. Hey, Jack, it's just incredible. But let's talk about the other point I want to talk then about is recreational real estate, from ski chalets to Muskoka cottages, Um, uh, price movement in in that category and the amount of demand uh, that, that you're noticing in that category, Drew.
3: Yeah, I mean, like I said, the Collingwood, Muskoka areas, uh, the builders that I speak with, custom home builders, they're all busier than they've ever been. Some of them are even denying work now. They're passing it off to other builders because they just can't take it on. Um, and we're seeing that. We're seeing clients go out and, you know, spend $2 million on a Collingwood ski chalet. Or uh, I had a I had a client uh, three weeks ago, she's got a $25 million, I, I mean, some of these they sound far fetched but i mean maybe it's just the clients that we work with but 25 million dollar cottage on the on lake joe 25 million dollar house on the bridal path and uh, you know willing to take out 17 18 million dollars in mortgages on both and and again not afraid of it
2: on yeah there is so much wealth uh, perhaps in few hands but boy, there is wealth uh, in Canada. Uh, truly, truly is. I know Drake uh, has a mansion out in uh, uh, the Bridal path. Uh, anyone in the building trade uh, likes, oh, I did some work on Drake's house. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, it, brought it, it And all the trades people, uh, Jack has a little experience now with that. Uh, Drew, you're, you're seeing as well, obviously, but all the trades people are completely jammed, uh, getting material, and I don't care if it's grout, if it's uh, uh, MDF board, uh, material is, is, is still at a premium and in limited supply. Um, when you speak to builders, what, what type of problems are, you, are they facing right now uh, in, in terms of supply disruption, Drew? Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, I think lumber and some of the, you know, some of the supply issues are, are definitely at the forefront. But, you know, with a lot of these custom home builds, they can kind of change the price on you as you go along. Uh, you know, nine out of 10 clients that call me and they're either doing a renovation or a build you know, I usually listen for the first five to 10 minutes on, you know, how it's gone over over cost. So you kind of have to listen and say, yeah, you know what, that's typical. That, that happens from time to time. doesn't matter which builder it is. Um, so the good news with these custom home builders, they can almost blame it on the supply issue and then maybe take a little bit longer if they need to and also increase the price so that they're not losing money.
2: Yeah, I'm certainly witnessing a bit of uh, high-pressure selling from uh, tradespeople. And I, I think they're being honest with me, So, uh, but they say, Wolf, uh, it'll be 20% higher next year. Uh, don't delay. Uh, every, every single category. And I, I mentioned I'm buying some tiles, and they sell oh, those tiles are coming from Europe. A container to be shipped from Europe months ago was $4,000. Now to ship a container from Europe is $13,000. Uh, and of course, they pass that on to the consumer, and they, they have no problem doing so. Uh, Drew Donaldson, always a pleasure uh, to get uh, up to speed on the uh, real estate market and uh, specifically the mortgage market. Uh, Donaldson Capital, is where Drew's at. Uh, if you're shopping uh, for a mortgage, uh, I do advise you work with a, uh, a qualified mortgage broker so they can shop the market for you. Go to your own bank as well, and then and watch them not play ball. But you never know; you might surprise me, surprise yourself as well. Uh, do your homework. If you can save yourself, you know, a quarter of a percent, or ten, or a tenth of a percent on you know seven hundred thousand dollars, it adds up. Indeed, it does. Uh, quick break. Get right back to the show about money. Hi-Fi Radio, each and every Saturday night on Global News. Radio 640, Toronto.
1: Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
2: There you go, my friends. My next guest, Rob Young. says he's a bit ornery. He's a little bit... Uh... Getting early into the uh, eggnog, perhaps, not our Rob Young. One of our managing directors, No, nope, no, nope. Clean as a whistle, sweet and clean he is. Um, He's a the, the tech, tech tech analyst, a great tech analyst. I love Rob Young. You know, my friends, I was taught many decades ago uh, by a wise mentor of mine. He said, Wolfie, people in motion come in contact with people in motion, and people at rest remain at rest. And you know, COVID has certainly uh, kept us at bay I'm not saying at rest per se, but certainly not out in motion as much as uh, I like to be and do the locomotion. But uh, fortunately enough, uh, last week when I went down to Bay Street to see a few fellas and uh, get caught up in the office, I bumped into Rob Young in our lobby. It's always a pleasure of mine when I see him. I run over to him and say, Rob, what's new? And he just talks and talks and talks and my my jaw drops. But he he threw a word out to me that... uh, Uh, jog my memory briefly, the word was metaverse. He said, Wolfie, this new concept of the metaverse is just just unbelievable. And I said, talk to me about the metaverse. In fact, don't. Let's bring you on the radio, and I want you to talk to our audience about the metaverse, why it matters, what it is, and how we can play uh, the metaverse if it's something that we can invest in. Uh, Rob Young, Managing Director, uh, Internet IT, please, over to you.
4: Well, yeah, the context, I think, if I remember, as I was talking about potentially hopping on an airplane and going down to Las Vegas for the uh, consumer, uh, the CES show. Um, And uh, my thought was that it was going to be Metaverse, 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 uh, because there's typically some themes that coalesce around that show, and it seems like heading into it, Metaverse is the the big one. Everyone's talking about that ever since uh, Facebook changed their name to Meta and uh, are trying to you know, build a business around what they're calling, well um, I don't know if they're calling it, but the embodied internet, the next version of the internet, <coughs> web 3.0, where you're going to be able to interact with the internet as a human being rather than through a 2D screen. You're going to immerse yourself into a virtual environment and you're going to do your shopping virtually and you're going to do your interactions virtually. And Instead of going into the office, you're going to go into a virtual office and do it there. So that's the uh, that's the future that uh, Meta is uh, showing us now.
2: You mentioned the word to me, and I think within 12 hours, a subscription service I subscribed to called Bespoke Investment Group, uh, very high level stuff, it's fantastic and very current. Uh, they indicated that they actually have created a metaverse index uh, to help track the movement of stocks in that space. And I was very pleased to look at, at their um, a Venn diagram that they put out uh, for different silos that you can uh, play if you want access to the metaverse. So for example, from a content point of view, they think companies like Take-Two Interactive or Activision uh, will be a player in the space. Facebook, obviously, changing their name indicates to the world that they want to participate, but virtualization software, companies like Microsoft, Autodesk are all there. In terms of security and identification, companies like Okta, VMware are there. Uh, The e-commerce component, uh, component. you have Coinbase Global stock that Jack and I own. There's an advertising component, Trade Desk Google, of course. Uh, Hardware component, those chip manufacturers. So I think my point I want to make to you, Rob, and I I told Jack this uh, uh, gleamingly, is that Jack and I do have exposure to the metaverse without even knowing that we had exposure to the metaverse because we own Google, we own uh facebook we own uh, a lot of semiconductor stocks Uh, so so that's good news isn't it
4: yeah i mean that's typical i mean one of the things in the tech sector that always happens is we always um make a mistake on uh the timing of an opportunity and so something like around around the metaverse is likely going to be a multi-year cycle maybe fulsome over a decade we always assume things are going to happen faster than they will in reality, and we always overestimate—or sorry, underestimate—the actual size when it gets there. And so, at the front end of these type of uh, you know, investment themes, whether it's you know Metaverse, Metaverse or esports or whatever it is, people scramble to find companies that are tied to it. Um, some of them make sense, some of them don't. The ones that, to me, make a lot of sense would be anything related to the semiconductor space because you're going to require a lot of compute. Anything related to graphics, which is, you know, you're going to have to create these virtual environments. So, uh, you know, so on the, the the semiconductor side, NVIDIA is one, you know, AMD, Intel. Um, the people that make the semiconductors, so TSMC, then um, even some Applied of the – material. Applied materials, and then even some of the companies that help applied materials make their stuff, like the uh, the EMS vendors, like Celestica, you know, Toronto-based Celestica, and you know, then you've also got the the software companies that are going to build around it. So Facebook, another big one, would be Unity. Um, anything connected to video games, likely, because video games are likely to create the content that goes in there, and uh, so, and then there's a lot of other companies that are tied into it um that maybe there's one step away i mean one one I should have mentioned there would be Roblox, which is another one that's very you know tightly tied into you know metaverse but then there it gets harder and harder for me to understand them beyond that like there's all the big bellwether tech firms will likely be tied to it like Microsoft and i b m and google and and whatnot, and they will likely participate, but it feels to me that they're you know, metaverse is going to be such a small piece of their business that it, you're not really investing in metaverse, you're investing in the broader company. But it's an interesting theme to think about over, you know, playing out as a driver.
2: The part of the theme that's difficult to get my head around, and we're, we just had a mortgage broker on the show, but it seems that a big play around the metaverse, and I want you to talk about this, uh, Drew, and I'm going to throw it over to Jack, uh, but excuse me, um, uh, Rob, uh, is real estate plays please talk to us about a virtual real estate play and i have to take a mortgage out to get that uh, piece of asset
4: yeah well i mean there's uh, there is one company in canada called tokens.com and they're they're assembling some of this virtual real estate and they're not the only one there's others who are doing this but the the idea is that you are going to go shopping In a virtual environment, and you're going to go shopping, you know, on a high street or in a shopping area. And so, people that are looking forward at that, they're starting to buy the virtual real estate in places where they think we will assemble. Right. So the idea being that you're not going to walk into Best Buy, you're just going to go onto the internet. You're going to go to the virtual Best Buy, and you're going to buy your laptop. And that virtual Best Buy is going to be in the the big box store place in the virtual world, and so people are buying up the virtual real estate that's tied to those. Uh, we've seen, you know, some pretty impressive um, retailers so, so no, sorry, Rob, doing Rob, online Me inter-
2: interrupt you, Rob. I just want to make sure I understand the concept. So, use you use the example Best Buy, big box retailer, brick and mortar. So, in 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 the metaverse, would would the owner? And the owner is the universe. I'm assuming. So, would Best Buy purchase a, a corner, an anchor within the metaverse. Uh, that would be then their their position within the uh, environment.
4: Yeah, I mean, well, there's a lot of uncertainty around this because we don't know what virtual environment is going to win. You can go back even a decade ago, it was like Second Life. There's been a bunch of these virtual environments. There's you know Minecraft. There's there's others, and so you, it's hard to tell which virtual environment will be a successful one. And so it's a very speculative type of you know, an investment today trying to figure out where this is going to go.
0: No
2: question. Uh, Let's throw it over to Jack.
0: Yeah, just the fact that we're talking about we have exposure to this for our clients and it was sort of by default, Wolf, that really speaks to I think the the leadership that we pick with the companies that we own. You talk about Nvidia, uh, Google, Facebook, we've owned Adobe in the past, the chip companies, uh, all the names that we own are the high quality leaders in their space. And, you know, Rob talks about the fact that it's very difficult to pick the winners. I think when you partner with leading companies in technology, let them figure out who's going to be the winners. And they're going to be acquiring some of the smaller companies as well. So own high quality companies. And that's what we try to do, especially, you know, in the various sectors that we um, that we select for our clients. Quality. At all costs, my friends.
2: Uh, Look, let's take a quick break, uh, pay some bills around here, and get right back to the show about money, Hi-Fi Radio. If you have any questions for Jack or I, you can visit us at WolfgangKlein.com, TheWolfOnBayStreet.com. Send us a note. Always delight to speak with our listeners and friends. Uh, More show right after this.
1: Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Ice
2: full of tinsel and fire. Well, it's a lovely song. It's a lovely time of the year, my friends. Merry Christmas to all of you. May the spirit and joy be with each and every one of you, of all face, my friends, of all face, We are all brothers and sisters indeed. Uh, Jack and I, of course, try real hard each and every week to help you build wealth. Um, part of building wealth uh, requires paying attention to new trends. And it's very exciting to to be a partner at Canaccord because Canaccord is a mid-market brokerage firm uh, in the capital markets world. And in in, in participating in the mid-market world, uh, you get involved in a lot of innovative stuff uh, that percolates its way both up and down uh, the food chain. And uh, Rob Young, of course, is an analyst. He was formerly a strategist working for companies like IBM and Nortel. who? Nortel. That's right, Nortel Networks. Uh, but he was not a county. We don't have to blame him for the books. No, that was not Rob. He was working the tech site and you know, lighting up the world. I eh? remember all that fiber that was being planted underneath the cities uh, in North America. Uh, unlit fiber was the speak. What's all this fiber doing in the ground? None of it's lit, they were saying. Oh, one day we will use it. Uh, fast forward, uh, did we put enough fiber in the ground in the 90s, um, Rob, or do we still need more of it, honestly? <laughs>
4: I'm not too sure how much dark fiber there is out there, but it, it would, wouldn't surprise me if we've used it all up. It's certainly, we've seen year after year of bandwidth growth. I'm sure the, uh, the pandemic uh, probably put a spike in it.
2: it you know It's remarkable how I live off my uh, cellular device and how powerful uh, the device is. It, it, it is very, very uh, empowering. Uh, without question, so technology uh, is is brilliant um, and it's exciting, uh, and while well, it can be very very profitable, uh, Rob, within your space, um, some investable ideas again for investors thinking longer term, three, five, ten years out. Uh, speak to some of your favorite ideas.
4: Well, I guess the, some of the the, the ideas um, would be anything around supply chain. Uh, all of the volatility that we're seeing today in supply chain, some of those problems are going to be solved by software. And so, within that, there's some Canadian companies. You could highlight companies like Descartes, you look at um, Canaxis, you look at, um, uh, there's some other smaller ones. Uh, but, you know, software is going to orchestrate some of the solution to. Uh, the problems we're seeing today and um, you know these supply chain problems a lot of companies are saying that they're going to extend right through 2022. Um, you know we're seeing a lot of uh, issues around semiconductors which is the one that probably is hitting the news the most and as it relates to auto and the ability to you know get those supply those semiconductors in to complete your product and get it onto a boat get it to the uh, the end customer is uh, problematic um another area that's exciting right now is around collaboration and uh the orchestration of work uh e-learning so all of these workflows that you see in the enterprise or you know they're moving into the uh the cloud they're moving online and in a way that you know we wouldn't have expected two or three years ago everything's been pulled forward uh you know and then Uh, In the e-learning space, you know, you can highlight names like um, uh, Docebo, a company called D2L went uh, public not too long ago. Um, Then, of course, you've also got e-commerce. A lot of different data out there around e-commerce, but uh, Adobe had a uh, a report that said the U.S. was down 1%. Shopify said that uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday was up, I think, 23%, if memory serves. And so, you know, there's still you know, a lot of potential for e-commerce to continue to take more and more of our spending dollar. And so the companies that are tied to that, um, you know, likely to do very well. Uh, you know, there's Shopify, there's um, Pivotry, small. Uh, what about Lightspeed? Light. Let's, let's
2: talk about Lightspeed, if we may. Jack. That's a name that Jack brought to my attention. Uh, what, is, what does Lightspeed do? Um, and, and it's been having a bit of an interesting performance recently. Talk to Talk to the market action on the stock and what your opinion is of it longer term. If
4: you can, well, it's p o s so point of sale and uh, they've recently done some acquisitions that expand their universe into e commerce about a company called Equid and uh, so they're becoming more of a competitive um, you know to 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 companies like Shopify and big commerce um, but you know Lightspeed is seen as highly exposed to restaurant bar and you know with omicron starting to sort of rear its mm. end. You know, causing some problems that might be weighing a little bit on the stock. There, I don't have an official opinion because we don't cover it at Canaccord. But the um, you know, there was also a short report that came out from a um, a negative uh, minded investor uh, within the last couple of months that created some volatility in the stock. And then you have this Omicron, and and there's a little bit of rotation here at the end of the year out of uh, tech. we have seen some of the high valuation names come down a bit, and so all of that, you know, pushing, you know, pressuring lights.
0: You mentioned about some of the valuations coming down on these, uh, high growth companies in, in your universe. Are they getting to the point now where people are selling or sort of, I guess throwing the baby out with the bathwater and you might want to start picking away at some tax loss buying opportunities?
4: Well, I'm always, I well, tax loss is a hard one to, everyone always seems to, you know, blame tax loss selling, but the, um, you know, my view of it is that you know enterprise software is still very, very successful. We're going to see good earnings. Uh, these are businesses that have strong growth, strong margin profile, you know, strong balance sheets by and large. And so, I would expect that these are going to continue to be strong companies. But the uh, you know enterprise software and software in general valuations have you know benefited through the pandemic and they've gotten higher and higher. They're you know quite a bit ahead of where the you know, the long term averages. And so at some point, there's a reversion to the mean, just we don't don't know the timing on how that will play out. I mean, a a stock can stay artificially expensive for longer than anyone might expect. And so it's very difficult to time these things. I mean, as we look into 2022, there are a lot of people that are saying that, you know, tech will not benefit from the increase in interest rates that everyone is expecting, with you know inflation and and all the other things. And the mechanic behind that, just you know, in layman's terms, is that if you have a company that's not profitable, and the cash flow isn't supposed expected to come for several years, you know, if interest rates are higher, then that cash flow several years from today is worth less today, and so that provides an incentive for large money managers to rotate some of their funds into other businesses that are less negatively exposed to interest rates. And so there's a little bit of pressure there in high valuation and high valuation seems to uh, has been driven by, you know, high growth and not necessarily profitable companies. And so those companies that are, you know, higher growth, not as profitable, high valuation, taking a little more uh, of impact from that flow. I think it'll, I think it's still going to be a strong sector in 2022 and uh, a degree of organic growth and right now all of the issues that we're seeing in the supply chain uh, be it you know companies that are trying to figure out how to get something from China to the United States or if it's a logistics company that's you know seeing a very strong pricing environment uh, to the UK which has just popped up in the world as a new company new country uh, you know outside of the European Union there's a lot of drivers around the complexity of the supply chain. And, you know, Descartes is one of the companies that benefits from that. And so is seeing a much higher level of organic growth. And so, you know, that growth, plus it's a mature business with high margins, uh, you know, it it becomes a, a very durable company. And, you know, sometimes when we look at, you know the, the the technology space companies that aren't profitable but have a high lot of uh, a very high level of growth are attractive for future cash flows. But a company like Descartes that's very profitable today and generating very high levels of cash flow today, um, you know, they're one that's maybe a little more insulated around you know some of that concern I was highlighted on. In, you know. In, increase in interest rates and what that does to uh, you know tech valuations so it's a high quality company with a high quality product that just happens to be in exactly the right space around all of this mess we see in the supply chain today.
2: Yeah indeed well again Descartes is a logistics company it helps companies move stuff goods around the world. Uh, it has a lot of vertically integrated businesses and services that it provides to its customers. Quite the company. It's certainly worth uh, looking at, friends. Uh, that's it for the show, my good uh, investors and partners. I want to wish you a safe weekend, and I want to wish you wealth and good health. Rob Young, Managing Director, uh, IT, Uh, Just a delight and a gentleman to have him as a friend and a partner uh, on our team. Jack Hartle, uh, Portfolio Manager, Producer of the show, always a delight as well. Uh, Gentlemen, you stay safe. Have yourselves a great weekend. Friends at home, uh, I'll be back with you next weekend right here on Global News Radio 640
1: Toronto.